Welcome to Regulars Anonymous. With host Zachary Landry. Sitting down with the people who are standing in line behind you at the grocery store. And hearing what they have to say. How's your day been, man? It's been good. Yeah. Been good. Work, worked all day. Get Came, a run in afterwards. Get a run in afterwards. Sixty seventh sucks. Yeah, I felt like I was gonna poop my pants while running <laughs> up it. I was so bloated and just crampy. I was like, "This is not great." I'm just gonna cut it short. Yeah. How far do you typically run for? Uh, well, I'll start early in the week doing five kilometers, and then towards the end of the week, I'll build up to ten. Nice. So, just don't wanna like fuck up my hips. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How long have you been doing that for? Hmm. Probably like five, six years have been running pretty consistently. It's usually once the spring kicks in. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. there was a while I like did training for the Woody's 10K. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of just what started the running. Because I was doing like all like the tough mudders and the the mud heroes and all those runs and stuff like that. And then the one year I did the 15 kilometer run for uh, Ronald McDonald House. And that was just like the big training for the summer and just kind of kept on with that. Nice. Yeah. How'd you find that run, the 15K? Uh, I can't even remember. I feel like it was just Facebook online, just the advertising for it. Mm-hmm. And because like when I was um, 15 or 16, uh, I was in a like a minor car accident that, in, that eventually um, caused internal bleeding from the seatbelt. And I had to have like emergency surgery to have a cyst the size of a football removed from my abdomen. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> so it was like it was an ex uh we were driving along a back road this is when i lived in rocky and we just hit the ditch and i changed the tire everything was fine but then like two days later like i could not sleep i had like this pain in my chest and i couldn't keep food down mm-hmm. went to the doctor and the doctor was like just like have some gatorade you're just dehydrated and then we went to red deer and they're like this kid needs emergency surgery and then like six hours later i was in edmonton at the stollery children's hospital and they're like yeah <laughs> we're gonna you? do 17 uh 16, 16. yeah <laughs> so i was in there <laughs> it was so funny and yeah just like surgery so now i I have a foot long scar across my stomach from where they removed this cyst. Can I see it? Oh yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So of course we're like after that, and then like anytime we're like swimming in gym class, they're like fucking C-section. And I'm like, God damn it. I can't even be like, yeah, I, I got this like saving children from a fucking mugging. No, it was just no. like, yo, C-section. I'm like, God damn it. That's a good one too. Uh, you know your pussy's tight. That's right. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. funny, man. Yeah. So yeah, had that surgery. And that was how I actually passed 11th grade too. Cause there was one class I was going to fail bio. I was at 54, but because of that, I got exempt from all the finals. Cause it was like a week before finals. And my bio teacher was so mad. He's like, he handed me my, my final grade letter. He's like, yes, you snuck through Mr. Oh, Geddes. And I was like, fuck man. yeah, I did. <laughs> he was looking forward to failing you too. Oh wasn't yeah, he? he was. He told my dad I was in a gang because I wore a purple bandana. To hide my, to pull, hold back my very long dyed black hair with my lip ring and my My Chemical Romance t-shirt. Were you a goth in high school? I wouldn't say goth, more emo. emo? I don't think I was, I wasn't depressed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I tried to tell my dad I was in a gang and I was like, okay, the, yeah, there's a ton of gangs in Rocky Mountain House that have fucking black nail polish. Yeah. <laughs> right. His name was Mr. Baron, but his first name was Richard. And I remember even the principal didn't like him because I got sent to the office. He goes, uh, Dick Baron again. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, uh, all right, his come on in. Dick Baron. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Any idea if he still teaches? Uh, I feel like he probably would have retired by now. Hopefully. He was like in his 60s then. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird. Those, like, would you say like he was a bully? Oh, for sure. Because like the girl that I I dated, she said her dad had him as a teacher when he was in high school and he would just constantly like 
tell this guy's a fucking loser and he wasn't going to amount to anything and stuff like that. So I feel like he's just one of those teachers that hated his life. So he wanted to do that to kids. Too. Yeah. Just bring it down. Yeah. That's so shitty. I had teachers in high school. I found if you just like let them know that you're not a child, mm-hmm. it would throw them off so hard. <laughs> like yeah. that you're like, okay, you have some sort of power over me because we're inside this building. But yeah. other than that, you're just another person. Right. It's like one of my best friends. If you just mess around with each other all the time, right? So mm-hmm. you're sitting in front of the class and I wrote in his, his journal, I just wrote, uh, masturbate to JPEGs of livestock. <laughs> <laughs> and just wrote, wrote that in his page, right? And this teacher, who it wasn't even his class. He just came in to talk to our teacher. Yeah. He like saw me writing it and he's <laughs> looming over us. And then he's, he points at it. He goes, how would you feel if I said that aloud right now? And I just looked at him. I said, what, masturbate to JPEGs of livestock? <laughs> and, like, just called his bluff <laughs> yeah, right exactly, there. Yeah. Like, no, the... We did, dude, we did so many dumb, dumb things that like, yeah, you're not gonna phase us, right? You can't. I mean, like, we're too dumb to understand the lessons you're trying to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you don't think it's funny doesn't mean that we're not getting a right? kick out of it. Yeah, I, there was always like the one teacher that you didn't realize was cool until you were gone because mm. there was this one teacher he taught just like the like the excess courses or whatever. Like he taught us like legal studies and all kinds of like random like modules, but like all of his tests were open book. So he's just like, yeah, just fill everything in open book. And like, if you were done your assignment, he just like was like, yeah, you can leave early, but just don't hang out here. So I don't get in shit for it. And I was like, man, this dude fucking rules. Yeah, And he was like, he'd like walk around with the Birkenstocks and he'd have a long ponytail. And his wife was the home ec teacher. At the same school, and I was like, "Man, this guy rules." <laughs> He's just enabling all these sixteen, seventeen-year-olds to go do dumb shit. Those were the best teachers, though, man. We, I have one buddy just straight up tell like he, he needed like an extra credit to like graduate. Mm-hmm. Just whatever one, and the way the scheduling worked out, like he had to take. I don't know if it was like a French class or something. Just something that he was like, listen. Mm-hmm. And I think he straight up told her on like day one, he's like, listen, like this is the situation. But she was also like, she had been there a long time, probably a few years away from retirement herself. Yeah. And so like, she saw his situation. It was like, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that was like me. Like I was five credits short because the way I kind of got fucked is I lived in Saskatchewan, grew up in Saskatoon, but I spent about 10 months living in Jamaica when I was 15 Right. And then came back to Canada. So I was short a couple credits because I missed a semester. Yeah. So for grade 12, I just took like random modules. So I took like a module in forestry and like forensics and just like all kinds of random <laughs> shit to get enough credits so I yeah, could graduate yeah. high school because I was short five. <clears throat> uh, yeah. How do you wind up in Jamaica? So end of ninth grade, I'm in Saskatoon and my dad's like, hey, I'm going to start a business in Jamaica and you're coming with the fam jam. (laughs) And I was like, uh, no, I got a ninth grade girlfriend. We're in love. We're going to be together forever. (laughs) So he's like, no. So what he was doing was he was supposed to start like a satellite internet business. So this is 2004. This is like, Mm. there's still landlines and, dial up internet and stuff but he's got this idea where he's going to use satellite dishes because he used to sell satellite television programming and he would install the dishes so he's like well why not internet like he's kind of like he was on the point he was on it it was just the technology moved way quicker and he just could not get it fucking going in jamaica so i'm living in jamaica as a 15 year old with no friends whatsoever we're living in this apartment building in negril and i have to go to school an hour away so every morning I'm hopping in a taxi with like seven people <laughs> and they're driving an hour and he's still, this taxi driver's still like, uh, yeah, I could probably pick up one more. And there's like people across our laps and shit <laughs> like that. Like this is not safe whatsoever. So my parents lied to the school and said I was seventh day Adventist so I could get into it. And I was like, I don't even know what that means, dude. So I'm the only white kid in this school of 500. Mm-hmm. 
So the first day, they line everybody up outside the school, and they're like, we're going to do a prayer to start the school year. And then the principal goes, Jesse, you're new. Would you like to say the prayer in oh front of all these people? Gosh. And I just did like the most generic, like, sup, God? Thanks for the bounty and all the blessings and hope you're doing good. <laughs> Thanks for school. Amen. Bye-bye. <laughs> and they were like, uh, that wasn't it, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Just thrown onto the bus right away. Right immediately. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be the worst year. And it was. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I was like, man. <sighs> People being racist towards you sucks. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, it's just like such a culture shock. Because like I was in Saskatoon, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I was my... going to say, why, why wouldn't he sell, try to get satellite internet going there? Because uh, they planned on retiring oh, okay. in Jamaica. So like, oh, we're just going to start our retirement gig oh, early. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we're going to bring our 15-year-old there. And like the, the shitty part was like my brother's like, almost four years older than me so he'd already graduated high school so he just stayed in canada he was yeah. living in i think yeah, he was working in nordic at the time mm -hmm. so i was like oh cool i have absolutely nothing going on here <laughs> <laughs> no say no nothing nothing taking a jamaica yeah, it was ridiculous man like i'm I remember like I would be like so terrified to walk around because I'm just like this scrawny 15 year old kid with long hair and just people yell like white boy white boy and I'm just like oh god I'm gonna get shivved I'm gonna get door jammed it's gonna be terrible and I remember I went into like this pizza place I finally got up enough courage to like go venture out on my own and it's this guy who owned it but he'd lived in Toronto so he like sp spoke pretty good English but there was just like a group of I guess they were probably like 17, 18 years old. They seemed way older to me at the time. But uh, this girl and these three guys and the girls just like messing with me and goes like, oh, do you have a big dick in those pants? And I was just like, uh, I don't know what to say. So she grabs me full on by the dick. And then she goes, damn. And all these guys are like, oh, yeah, man, look at you go. And she goes, that's the second pussy I've touched today. And I'm like, bye. <laughs> I'm like, C-section. Yeah, right? I'm like, God, I just want my fucking plain cheese and get out of here. <laughs> yeah, so of course then I get to walk home, hold my fucking pizza, like, this thing better be good, because yeah. that was terrible. Awful experience. Right. And then, yeah, we moved back, and then I finished up high school and stuff in Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, go from one culture shock to another. Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> Oh, look, you're extra white. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I see you're rocking the mullet now. So, yeah. Getting back to your sass roots. Getting back rocking. to the Saskatchewan roots. <laughs> now, my hairdresser was like, Do you want a mullet? And I was like, Yes. That was all the forethought that went into it. That's sweet. Yeah. I wish. Just if you just had the opportunity. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'd go for hair any day. Right. I'd grow a skullet, but. That's not something I can commit to. <laughs> that, that, this has been a commitment. Like, I've been at this thing since, like, July of last year, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, uh, it's finally just starting to not look dirt trashy, so I gotta get it cut again so it does look dirt trashy. <laughs> yeah. And you've had the beard for a while now. Yeah. Yeah. It's you were always a baby now. face. Such longest, a baby face. Longest time that I knew you. Right. Yeah. It, and I, it was funny, because it was like right around the time of me and my ex-wife splitting, I was like, you know what? I'm a beard boy now. This is the new me. <laughs> and that was just like, that was my uh, quarter life crisis was like, I'm going to just let facial hair come out of my face. Yeah. That was about it. So it was, she wasn't your uh, junior high girlfriend, was she? So we met in 11th grade and started dating when I was in 12th grade. So it was like February Mm -hmm. of 2007 uh and yeah like a year and a half later we were married oh married young then yeah so it was like 2009 actually our wedding anniversary would have been this friday <laughs> <laughs> and how many years would have that uh so there? i guess it would have been so 2009 would be 14 years yeah, yeah. married in 2009 because like i graduated did you graduate 08 uh 2007 Seven. i graduated yeah okay. <clears throat> 
yeah, graduated 08. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine being married in right. 2010. Yeah. And like, it's so tough to be like, oh, I regret doing that. Cause I, I really don't No, Like you probably loved it. Yeah. It was, it was great. It was like, had a partner, had a best friend and it wasn't like in the beginning, it wasn't terrible, but obviously towards the end just mm-hmm. wasn't there. But it's so tough when you get married that young, knowing what I know now is you just become different people just by osmosis. Like it just happens. You don't mean it to. You just somehow become different people. And sometimes that doesn't mesh, right? Yeah. <laughs> so 14, it would have been 14 years together, married. Yeah, because we got together in 2007. So it would have been. Yeah, that is. 16, 17 years. Especially that young. <laughs> yeah. You know, what. Where was she at on her identity scale? Did she kind of have an idea of like what she was doing after high school? And she was very sure of herself for the most. Like she was the one who went to college right away, and I was just the one who kind of like worked service jobs. And I worked at like Mister Lube for like four years, Mm -hmm. just so like pay for all the bills while she went to school and worked part time. And then she just got jobs in banking and stuff like that. And I was the one who's like, I have no idea what I want to do and just kind of followed her lead, went to college for the same thing. Mm-hmm. So like, she was like always very on the ball and very self-assured. And she would just be like, like, it sounds funny. She'd be the one who'd like pay the bills because she's the one who's like, I'm going to figure out how to pay the bills. And I'm just like, oh, she'll learn how to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was almost kind of like she was more adult than I was. And mm-hmm. I was just trying to like bumble my way and just figure it out with her kind of leading the way. But like when we moved out, so we started dating February. We moved out that September together. So I was still 17 because my birthday is in October and we got an apartment in downtown. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like we were just like, let's go be adults immediately. Yeah. (laughs) And no children, eh? No. No. And that was, was that a decision early on? It was a decision by me pretty early on. I've always just kind of had this thought of like, I feel like I'm almost too selfish to have kids. Okay. Like even if there was a kid around, I'd be like... I almost feel like I would be resentful. I have no idea how it would go, but that was just like the feeling I always had. And we had a pretty big fight early on where I was like, I don't think I ever want kids. And she really wanted kids early. Mm -hmm. And it was like to the point where we were talking about breaking up, but then it was like, we're like, well, you know, we'll, we'll come to that later. And then over time she kind of came around to the idea of like, Oh yeah, I I don't want kids either. (laughs) I don't even think like, neither of us were very maternal as like the idea of kids never really appealed to me. And with her, like whenever like her friends would have babies and like, do you want to hold the baby? She's like, I'm good. No, You got it. <laughs> That's your kid. Well, I have three friends that have had kids probably in the last three months, kind of back to back to back. Yeah. And I, the, the, it wasn't intentional, but I think it might be an intentional thing after this point. Yeah. But if a friend has a kid now, I don't want to see it until it's at least two months old. I'm like, wait till this kid can talk to me about cartoons and shit. <laughs> well, I like the fact, first of all, like the, the initial, like just rush of family and oh, everyone yeah. in your face and here's a kid and you know, it's so yeah. new, especially for new time parents. Right. First time parents. And Letting, you know, I like to give them time to adjust because, mm-hmm. yeah, I went and saw a buddy's kid a few months ago yeah. and his wife was like, wait, is this your first time meeting the kid? <laughs> He's been here for two months. I'm like, yeah. perfect. Yeah, like, that... I'm like, look, he can hold his own yeah, head up. You're just like, <laughs> I don't have to worry about this bag of flour tipping over. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. He's like basically standing. Yeah. You're like, yeah, no, this is dope. Because it's funny, like working in an office, like anytime someone brings around their new baby, everybody wants to hold them. So there's always just like a circle of women that are like passing around this baby. And there's this uh, one woman I work with her and I went to college together and we just ended up working at the same places over the years. Mm-hmm. She brought her kid in once and everyone's like, Oh, Jesse, do you want to hold the baby? And this girl's like, he does not. <laughs> <laughs> she already knew. Yeah. She's like, he's good. Let him pass by. <laughs> I mean, like I'll, I'll shoot the shit with a kid. 
like seven, oh. eight years old, what he's talking about, like his favorite cartoons or like if we're playing Mortal Kombat and just like doing all kinds of weird little kids. Like, I just feel like I'm forever a little kid. I don't know how to be mature almost. Yeah, same. <laughs> and I find like the people who say like, I don't know how to talk to kids. It's like, were you not one? Yeah. Like, it's pretty easy, man. Just think about some of the stuff you were interested in. There's probably a lane for you there. Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> ask them what they're doing. Right. And they'll tell you all about it, right? Yeah. Like, I've had just random conversations where kids are just like, hey, what's your favorite soda? And I'm just like, oh, that's a great question. I haven't thought of that in years. And I'm just like, ugh, I'd go for a grape soda right about now. It's not my favorite, but maybe that's my brain. Just like going. <laughs> you go into way too much yeah. detail about it. Kind yeah. of freak them out. Yeah. Like, oh, oh. Yeah. Mine's 7-Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot about 7-Up. Are you Sprite or 7-Up? This kid's like, can I go now? Regret asking you immediately. Yeah. I feel like if I can make that kid regret it, asking that question, I've done my job. As an adult. As an adult. <laughs> so at no point did you guys ever sit down and, and think about having kids later on in the relationship? Like, would that have been like something, was an appropriate way to word this? If you were on the verge of separation or like heading that mm -hmm. way in your own thing, and you're like, hey, maybe... We never had the discussion no. of the babies, what's going to fix this oh, okay. kind of thing. I, I feel like it was probably like three or four years after we got married. We kind of had a pretty frank discussion about kids where I was like, I still don't feel like I haven't changed my mind on it. Like I was kind of knew like if it happened, I do like the, oh, okay, well I'll change my personality so I can be someone who enjoys kids. But mm -hmm. it just kind of got to where we're like, yeah, I don't think we want kids. Cause we would go on like three vacations a year. Oh, nice. And like we'd work all the time and we were moving around quite a bit early on. Cause she would get jobs and like, we lived in like Camrose and Wetaska went and bounce around in places to red deer. And we just like wanted to like lay down those roots before having the family discussion. But by that time we we're like, it's kind of great going to Australia twice a year. Like <laughs> that's pretty dope. Yeah. Especially at that age. Right. Why not? Cause like we got our first house when we were 21 maybe. And we were still going on these like three week trips to Australia every year. And we'd go to like Disney world, like, seven times <laughs> like, <laughs> like we were just like we almost became adults so quick that we're like oh we have to do the immature stuff mm. while we can and just kids never fit into that and then at what point would you say that you notice the relationships starting to dissolve Hmm. I don't know if I ever really noticed it because I can't like point to a specific instance to it, but it was really just a lot of the time it was me feeling like frustrated or like put upon because we became partners like immediately, but we never really figured out who we were as individuals. Mm -hmm. So me trying to figure out who I was as an individual didn't, mesh with her idea that we do everything together that we're partners and everything so like when i started comedy like we would get in arguments if i spent time working on jokes like very new i'd have to take some time to work on it and she'd be like well you're not spending enough time with me and i'm like we're together 24 7 i'm taking 45 minutes to go type on the computer dumb dick jokes like can i at least have that and there was a couple times where I'd be going to do the Sunday shows at the bowling alley and I'd be on my way to the car to go. And she'd be like, please don't leave. Don't go. Don't leave me. And like, we're together all day, every day, all week. The three hours on Sundays, like my, my me time to figure out, do I have a personality? Do I have a hobby outside of the guy who got married when he was 19? Mm -hmm. And it would be like, just frustration at feeling like, trapped Tra not yeah trapped is probably the way to say it because i can't think of another word because <sighs> well if you don't have the room to explore your own identity yeah you know it's it's uh claustrophobic mm -hmm. if anything but yeah like claustrophobic is probably a really good word because there'd be nights where i'd go to bed 
or at least tried to. And I would just toss and turn for probably four hours, just things rolling in my head of frustrations of like things I should have said or whatever the case. And she's just like right beside me there. And I could never feel like I could say the things out loud. Cause it was a lot of like, I feel like a lot of emotional manipulation mm-hmm. where if like there was an argument, the tears would start instead of a actual conversation to fix the problem. And that was the same if I like tried to go do comedy. Like there was a couple nights where I would text and just be like, Hey, you know, not feeling well, can't make the show tonight when it's really, she's like, don't go like, I don't want you to go and you have to stay here kind of thing. And me just feeling like super guilty for having any kind of thing that's my own. Mm-hmm. And did she have anything of her own? No. And that, I think that was a problem too. But the thing was, I even tried to encourage it. Like, I'm like, man, like, go hang with your friends. And she'd always be like waiting for times when we can do like double dates. I'm like, I don't need to be best friends with these people's boyfriends or husbands. Like go hang out with your friends. Like go do girls night. Like go for drinks with the girls, go do weekends, like spend some money on this. Like, you know, I'd be like, Hey, you like animals, go volunteer at the SPCA. And she did that for a little while, but then eventually she just like, was like, no, it takes me away from being at home and stuff like that. And I just, it felt like she was so into us being a couple that she didn't want to be an individual. And at that point, like we were together probably eight, nine years where I was like, I'm starting to feel like I need to figure out what I am as an individual. Mm-hmm. So would you say just became dependent on the relationship? From, yeah. Uh... Yeah. I mean, for sure there was a dependency. I mean, from both of us, it's just like I said at that point, I was no longer feeling dependent on the relationship. Mm-hmm. Like I was comfortable being able to go do things by myself and just having alone time. Whereas before it felt like if we weren't spending every minute together, it was wasting time. Mm-hmm. So even like if I'm like playing video games and she's reading a book, it has to be in the same room. You couldn't be separate. That's what I'm trying to think. There's got to be a word that I'm not going to be using here, but like just her identity was the relationship. Yeah. And it was both of ours, mm-hmm. right? Like that was my identity. Like whenever you go into a new situation and you do like the two truths and a lie, I was always like, I was married at 19. I lived in Jamaica and then whatever thing. <laughs> and then everyone's like, Oh, the married thing is fake. And they're like, Oh no, the Jamaica thing's fake. I'm like, Nope, those are my two weird things. I always wanted a mullet. I always <laughs> wanted, I can't grow no, a beard. Also, yeah. That's three truth. truths. <laughs> Yeah. And how was it during the separation process on the, on the way out? Difficult? I would say efficient. (laughs) (laughs) Cause we, I said, I told her I wanted to separate in like the beginning of September. By the end of September, I was at a lawyer. We were drawing up paperwork. We had done the couples therapy. I basically used that as a, like a vehicle to tell her exactly how I was feeling and that I just was not in love and I wasn't interested in this relationship anymore. Um, she'd moved out by January. So we lived together for about three months while we were separated. I was just in the basement. She was upstairs. We kind of just did our own thing. And then January, she just had her own place. And 12 months later, we just, the divorce was final. Wild. Right. Like, efficient is like I I remember one day I came upstairs and she was sitting there with a laptop at the table she's like I've done up a spreadsheet for how we're going to divide everything I'm like fucking a I don't have to do anything still still on top of it (laughs) right being the adult right the adult yeah the quote adult but yeah and it was really I was just like I'll give her all the things that she needs to be comfortable and happy. So like I gave her the car, so I had to go buy my own car and stuff like that. And she's like, well, I don't want to live in this house anymore. I was like, perfect. I'm comfortable here. So it was almost like just mutually mutual at that point. Cause I think my, we've never really had like that closure talk Mm -hmm. with one another. So my thought was, it's been a long time that we've both not been in love with each other. Cause it had been years where I was like, Hey man, I don't want to just be roommates. I want us to be a couple and a partner and go on date nights and stuff like that. And it was just always a, a hassle or a headache or a fight. But like towards the end, 
I think she realized it was over when I told her I wanted to separate. And she went upstairs and she cried for probably half an hour. And in that scenario, typically I would go up, I would go follow her and I'd be like, hey, stop crying. We'll talk this out. We'll work it out. But then we just kind of push it off and figure we'd discuss it another day. But I just sat there and I let her cry. And then she came downstairs and I think that was the realization that, oh, this is different this is than real. every other yeah. time. And then I think she just kind of turned it off. Like she was like, okay, not going to let it be emotional. I'm going to work through it the way I work through it. And we're just going to basically treat it like a, just a dissolved partnership. Like it was very, very clinical almost. Wow. Yeah. A healthy would too clinical on her part? No, I think it's what she needed yeah. to process it and get over it. And I just didn't want to make it dramatic. Like I wasn't yeah. interested in making her suffer or pay no, or anything no. like that. So honestly, I think it was probably the healthiest because like we both did therapy individually in the beginning of it. So we could kind of process and work through everything. But the more I started like going out and doing things myself and just kind of doing the stuff I wanted for me, um, she would also start doing that too. So it was like that, that separation, I feel like she was waiting for it, but she didn't want to be the one to do it. Cause it felt very much like one side made that distinction of like, this is done and I'm serious. Someone had to call it. Someone had to call it. And I feel like she wasn't, I feel like she wasn't in love with me for a couple of years as well, but didn't want to admit it might've been shame or guilt or like nobody wants to be known as the 30 year old who just got divorced. Right. Mm -hmm. So it just, you just want to hold on to that and not and even have that. I imagine to the point of, uh, to trying to prove yourself. Right. Right. You know, you're like, no, we, we did this at a young age, but we're going to stick it out. Well, and I'd always had those thoughts too. Cause like my parents got divorced, my brother got divorced. And I was like, holy shit, what if I'm the only one who doesn't get divorced? Suck on that family. <laughs> There's always that pettiness in there. But you're like, you're like, well, I can't be the other divorce per. I can't be the other failure in my family because that's what it's seen as to people is it's a failure, right? But no, it's a, which is dumb because it's a learning experience. Mm-hmm. And coming to that realization of like, this wasn't to me a failed relationship it was a learning experience like you said because I learned to you know stand up for myself talk about my feelings when I want to like be forward about when I'm not okay with something and it just took a while to get there but I also had such great times like this person I spent over half of our lives together like it's so tough to call it a failure because I don't feel like it's a failure I just feel like that's the thing too. What's the definition of a failed relationship? That sounds mm-hmm. like a successful relationship if it just naturally ran its course. Yeah. Start to finish. You and, know, hey. Yeah. Got- it's literally like the next chapter in this book. Mm. And it was seriously just like the most non-dramatic breakup I've ever had in my entire life, even with lawyers involved. <laughs> <laughs> Which can be frightening, I'm right. sure. Yeah. Cause I, like, I remember going to the lawyer's office and the lawyer's just like, Oh, you've already discussed these things. And we're like, yep, we've already got a, like a budget for the expenses. We're going to split while we live together until she can find her place. And like all these assets are split up and stuff like that. And she's just like, uh, this is going to be the quickest divorce. <laughs> stamp, stamp, stamp. <laughs> right. And then COVID was like, nah, bro, we're going to make you wait. <laughs> Cause it, it was in the middle of COVID. It was yeah, September of 21. So like things were still kind of locked down. So like it took forever to get the documents because our divorce would technically have been final September of this past year, but I didn't get anything until about December, January because there were still so many months behind. Backlog. Yeah. And do you think was COVID the, the final straw or just timing situation covid probably accelerated it if anything Mm -hmm. because it was for years that i was just like god this feels like i'm just in a roommate agreement like there's nothing that we do really that makes us feel like a couple we just feel like really good friends that live together yeah 
And then COVID just kind of sped that up. Cause I'm like, do I want to continue doing this forever? Knowing like this could potentially happen again of being stuck with this person who's not like a romantic partner. Mm-hmm. Like, do I want to be stuck in one of those asexual relationships forever? And I didn't. Yeah, I was going to ask. So you weren't regularly having sex at the end? No. Like, as weird as it sounds, once a year, maybe. Yeah, that sounds... I don't know what that is. Actually, now I realize the actual moment that it ended for me. It was the one time we'd had sex. And we're in the middle... And I just like kind of like adjusted my position and I was just like, oh, and I kind of fell a bit and she just went, I came, can you hurry up and finish? And I was like, oh, this is over immediately. (laughs) Like it was always like begrudgingly that if ever I initiated sex, she'd be like, all right, fine. And I'm just like, okay, yeah. And I was like, at what point do I stop trying to initiate before I just feel like a predator where I'm just like, Hey baby, shoulder massage. You know, it's been seven months. She's like, not tonight. I'm like, (laughs) 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 yeah. So yeah, when she said, hurry up and finish, I was like, Oh, I'm done. Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm good. Once again, clinical. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That one kind of made me laugh as my dick went into my body. (laughs) I don't think I've ever been in a relationship long enough that sex ever got to that point. But I just... I've, I've just gone years abstinence on my own. (laughs) I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. No. Well, I mean, like, the longest relationship I'd had before was in high school, and to call it a relationship seems kind of funny because you're 16 years old. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to figure out through hormones how to interact with another person. person. And there were maybe three to four months. Like, this is absolutely the longest relationship ever. So, of course, the monotony of life and just the the sameness of everything probably eroded, like, that passion, but... I honestly think it was just a few years too long that we sat in it where we just didn't want to admit that we were both kind of over it. Yeah. Yeah. And now that you're on the other side of it, how are things going? Uh, good. We're just kind of casually message back and forth. Cause like we still have the one dog that's essentially the kid. Right. Mm-hmm. So like whenever I want to take the dog for a week, I message her We're very cordial and like nothing's bad. Like she's seeing someone right now and he's a nice guy and, I just, there's no animosity whatsoever, which is so weird for me because every high school relationship was so drama filled that now I'm like, this feels weird that there's no drama. Well, you're like a veteran now, right? (laughs) You got shipped overseas. (laughs) Everything else was just like fighting in the schoolyard. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, No, you've, you've gone over, you've. Got the action, you got shell shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, as far as like our relationship goes, I would say like it's almost like acquaintances. Like, I don't know anything about what her life is like right now because she moved to Edmonton, mm-hmm. which I mean, if anything, that's one of the things that, you know, how like when you look back on something and you're over it, but every once in a while something kind of hurts you and pops yeah. up. So, like, We'd always had discussions of like, well, what if we moved somewhere? Like, what if we just didn't live here forever? And she was always like, nope, I'm comfortable here. I like living here. And then the moment we separate, she's like, oh, I'm applying for the position that I never would have applied for because it's change. And I'm moving to Edmonton because it's change. And just like all these massive changes. And I'm like, what was it about me that? held you back from that that held you back from doing that when i was like let's do those things let's let's do change let's honestly that's probably just comfort right right if you're comfortable in a situation even 60 percent of the way Mm -hmm. why why bother stirring the pot yeah and then it's just like one of those things where i'm like but was it me that made you not want to do those things like is that like is this really better for you that we're not together and then it's almost like a like a little bit of resentment where I'm like, we could have 
maybe we could have been happy together if we had done those things that you're doing now that you're confident to do now. Yeah, because it just seems like she she's out pursuing her own identity mm-hmm. outside of a, a specific relationship, right? Yeah. Because even if I, I, you'd have to imagine even with the, if she's seeing someone new now that she has at least taken the lesson away from the long-term mm-hmm. situation where it's like, no, you got to kind of look out for yourself first yeah. and your well-being mm-hmm. and, and develop that individual and foster that. Yeah. Cause you got to bring something to a relationship. It can't just be the relationship is what you're bringing to it. Cause then mm. things like just being known as the couple who got married young, that novelty wears off. Like you kind of have to be a, not necessarily a fully formed, but like formed enough that you're a partner and not a, like a codependent. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I really hope that's how her new relationship is because the way ours was, I don't see it lasting for another one that way. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't do it that way yourself again. No. 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 And in fact, like now I'm like, fuck, I love living by myself. I like just driving to Calgary to go do a show and I don't have to worry about checking in and being like, hey, is this cool if I go on this day? Like... It's so weird for me to now have freedom as a 30-year-old. <laughs> yeah. But that's what it is when you don't have to, you know. My mom would get pissy if I haven't phoned her in two weeks. But yeah. <laughs> outside of that, there's no one else yeah. being like, hey, man. And it's not like I don't have relationships or people that I interact with. Like, I'm not isolated. It's just I'm now learning how to be a, an individual and then work those relationships into that rather than making the relationship my sole focus. Mm, or the priority. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, because that's, it can't be the priority. No. Well, I mean, like, priority is one thing, but to then feel like, almost like, like, do you want to be a mom to a kid? Because I don't want you to be my mom or, like, my commanding officer like I'm here for a partnership but a lot of times it felt like if I did anything outside the way she wanted it to be done that's what would cause the strife so if I was like hey I'm gonna go it was as well always just check in with me all the every all the time like texting constantly micromanaging a lot of micromanaging a lot of like I can't let you out of my sight so it'd be like if I hadn't texted in a while because I'm at work what are you doing what were you doing? Like, I'm at work. Right. And I'm like trying to figure out where that insecurity came from or what I did to cause that insecurity was just something I could never figure out because there was just never an instance where I was like, I'm in it. I never gave a reason for you to doubt me, but for whatever reason, it seems like there was always doubt there. Mm-hmm. Would it have been anything external prior to you? Yeah, because the guy she dated right before me, um, he did cheat on her. Mm-hmm. But like at one point, I'm like, that was high school. We've been together for 10 years, giving you no indications that that's my personality or that those scenarios or situations have happened. Like, you got to kind of... Yeah, relax a bit. Yeah, like either tell me you never trust me and then I'm like, cool, I don't need to be here or... You know, tell me this is why you don't trust me and I can fix it. But there's never anything like that. And now, how are you? You're enjoying being single Mm -hmm. and the lack of, I don't want to say, oh, you're you're experiencing the freedom Mm -hmm. for the first time. Yeah. So what, like, other than the mullet and the beard, (laughs) (laughs) what else did you get up to right away? Nothing really crazy, like... Or what was the biggest perspective shift once you kind of got on the other side of all the paperwork and and her moving out? Just realizing I was my own adult. Like, I had to jump in and be like, I have to figure out how to do a 
like my budget. I have to do all my banking. Like I have to do all the adult stuff that she just kind of took, right? Like it sounds so silly. So you were on easy mode for a while. I was on easy mode. And it's not like I never tried. Like there'd be times where I was like, hey, I would like to learn, like take stuff off of your plate. So you're less stressed. Can you help me like learn this? And then I'll do this. And it would always just be like, it's easier if I just do it. I'm like, yeah, I know it is. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm not, I'm not dumb about being an idiot. I know I'm stupid. Give an extra five minutes. Teach me how to do this. But no, it was like, it was almost like a control thing. Like she had to have control of the things, like control of everything. And if I took a thing away, she would just add another thing that she had to control all the time. So when I said I wanted to separate and I had to start learning all that stuff, it was so funny and how excited I was. I was like, oh, look at my budget. Look at all this stuff that I got going on in here. I'm learning how to adult. And it's just like the simplest things, but it was big for me because I never did those things. I didn't have to do them. So to just do the small things that make you an adult and make you responsible and have to grow up. They were just the things that I was excited for. It was so silly. So like there wasn't any like buying a yellow sports car or anything like that. It was literally just like, Oh, I don't have to tell somebody that I'm going to hang out with people and I don't have to tell someone who I'm hanging out with. I don't have to, I can be back at 2 a.m. and I don't get the 10 text messages of like, where are you? Where are you? You haven't texted me in a while. And it was just like this weird freedom that you typically get when you move out on your own really early that I didn't get because I moved out with a partner very early. Mm-hmm. So it was the things like getting excited about setting up a direct deposit form. And... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would just print those just because. I was like, look at this bad boy shit. That's sweet, though. Yeah. And where are you at these days with everything now that you've had some time in between? Mm. I think I'm kind of still in that same spot. Like I'm, I'm comfortable being alone now. Like if I'm in my house and there's just nothing going on, but a TV in the background, I don't feel like that I'm missing out on something or I, I should have been doing something like I'm just okay being present And in the moment, I think that was the biggest thing was it forced me to do a lot of self-reflection of like, if I did ever have jealous feelings, where are those coming from? Or if I do have anxiety about something like what's making me anxious, because typically it would just be kind of like a lash out when I was feeling anxious and I didn't know why, but now it forces me to be an adult about my feelings. It was just like a it was almost really good for figuring out who I am and how to function as an adult and as a human and not just be impetuous and rash and a child about everything. It's just being able to take a step back because I now have the time to do that and I have the the space by myself to do that. It's It's almost changed me as a person, which is pretty crazy to say because I'm still goofy and immature for the most part, but there's so many aspects where I have so much self-reflection about now that normally I wouldn't, I would just like head down and burn through it and push it down with my pusher downer. (laughs) (laughs) So going forward into relationships, not that you're necessarily, I don't know what your situation is at the moment, but Mm -hmm. what would you say your biggest takeaway from that? Uh, you know, I'll call it your first one. Yeah. <laughs> Even though, it's, yeah, you know, a lifetime of relationship essentially. Yeah. What would be your biggest takeaway, and what would you bring forward other than being your own person? Or you talk about that too. Mm, I think just advocating for what I expect out of the relationship, because mm-hmm. a lot of our problems were. If something came up, we would just kind of push it off to the side because it'd be uncomfortable to talk about or it would cause a fight and we didn't really know how to regulate our thoughts and feelings without kind of blaming each other. But I really feel like I'm confident in that if there is a difficulty in a relationship, I'm going to know how to at least... Um, advocate for myself in that of like, this is what I'm feeling in this or in a new relationship, just being honest, like, Hey, 
I'm not moving in with anybody anytime soon. So if like you can't spend less time with me and you want me to move in, I'm sorry. We'll have to figure out other ways to do that or whether it's, you know, just being more honest in relationships. Cause that was a big thing was we would hold stuff back and then it would never get resolved. Mm. So I know that's not how to go, how to work it going forward. Because I find, do people actually want honesty? Uh, I mean, even I if think two people on the same page might, yeah, two people on the same page will, but even then I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be honest with you. Even if it causes upset feelings and strife and stuff like that, because not being honest about it does the same thing. Mm. So I might as well get through it. And if it realizes, Oh, this isn't working. I just got out of the longest, most important relationship of my life and I survived it. I'm confident with who I am. I know I'm going to be fine going forward, no matter what relationship comes next. Have you done any of the dating apps? early I did the dating apps, but then I I just felt gross. I was just like, because I found like I was literally going, Oh, I'm judging the book by its cover because I'm like, Oh, apparently I have a type and I'm just like swiping and doing all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, this just feels gross. I don't like this. So I just deleted them immediately. And I was like, because I don't need to get in to a relationship immediately after ending another relationship. So that's something that I don't understand either. Mm -hmm. How some people just seem to have that lateral shift Mm -hmm. and can't be by themselves. Yeah. And that's what I did. Right. Like, cause essentially I had girlfriends from when I was 14 until my divorce. Like I was with somebody (laughs) (laughs) like all the time Like it was literally like, oh, this one's over because I've got the next girl that I'm interested in lined up. And it was just one after the other. And there was like quite a few that overlapped in high school. And then it was just when my ex and I got together, it was just all the other ones were like, okay, we're done with this guy. And she was like, yeah, let's date. And I was like, perfect, because I'm very interested in you. So let's make this last almost (laughs) two decades. (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty good run right yeah i'm trying i don't think i know anyone other than like that's like eight parents and parents friends no one in my age i know i was like going for that 80s hulk hogan run i was like let's get this championship going (laughs) (laughs) do you follow wrestling anymore I just got back into it. Yeah. yeah. I just watched WrestleMania this year for the first time in a long time. I was like, what a fucking nerd. <laughs> so now that I'm fully in my nerdom, I've got tickets to go see wrestling shows this summer and nice. stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. They get a chance. Uh, had Alex Wicker on. She's a performer here in town. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she, the, the show is even at the Memorial Center. Oh, nice. the local pro wrestling shows. Yeah. Man, they're so much fun. Those mini shows, like those indie shows are so much fun. And every time like I see one, I'm like, fuck, I missed it. Or it's like, it's in Wetaskiwin on like a Thursday. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I can't drive there. I got to work and all that stuff. So it's one of those. I'm like, yeah, I would love to spend $15 and just be a child for three hours. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> it's so much fun though. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite wrestler? Uh, my favorite wrestler, probably Shawn Michaels because I met him too. So, uh, it was 2014. We went to SummerSlam in Los Angeles and we did like the meeting, all the wrestlers. And, uh, we met Shawn Michaels and it was funny cause this guy who was in front of us in like the lineup to do the picture meet and greet. He went did his thing, went off the stage. So we went up and we started talking to him. He's like, oh, how are you guys doing? And this guy comes back up and he's he had his them take a picture with his own iPad too, as well as the pictures they take. And he's like, this one's a little... And then <laughs> Shawn Michaels just goes, I'm going to stop you right there. You had your moment. And he just shoes <laughs> him off the stage. And the, and the guy's just like, but, 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 wait, 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 wait. He goes, you got to live your life, man. And then he just basically like... <laughs> ushered him off of the stage and then came back to us. I was like, this guy's a fucking OG. This guy's a pro. He just big dogged this guy so we could have our moment. I was like, that's what you look for. And then later that day we met John Cena and my, my ex was like, Oh my God, I'm such a big fan. I love you. And he's just like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yep. 
cool and was just like so ambivalent and then not 10 seconds after he finished signing our shit we paid 170 dollars to meet him for 30 seconds they roll a kid around the corner in a wheelchair and he pops up he's like hey buddy it's me john cena how you doing and i was just like i bet that kid's faking it and everyone's like oh what did you just say (laughs) (laughs) so yeah john cena and i are not best buds and also i just kind of Shame to make a wish, kid. <laughs> That's fair. But you've been hitting lots of comedy shows up? Uh, yeah, I think I've done probably six or seven in the last month. I've got Calgary Yuck Yucks tomorrow. And then on the 17th, I'm doing the Laugh Shop. Nice. Yeah. Good, man. Yeah. Good to see you out there hitting the road. Yeah. Uh, eventually, i got to get back to the, the local mic. Every show's on a Thursday, it seems like. Yeah. That's out of town. Yeah, definitely. Like I'll be heading up in that to Edmonton for six weeks, so mm. we'll see what happens while I'm up there. But I don't know. I used to make the drive all the time, mm-hmm. and then it's so tough now because like I'll ask and be like, "Hey, can I get just like seven minutes? Like I know you're giving everybody five, but like it's a three hour jaunt for me to drive. Can I get seven? Yeah. And some are cool, but uh, just did the uh, the comic strip, funniest person with a day oh, job. How was it? Uh, my set went great, but the judges fucking roasted me so hard. It was so weird. They were just like that. I don't know what you're doing up there. And I was like, but people laughed like, I don't get it. And, uh, it was funny. Cause like right after, um, someone was just like, Hey, maybe it'll be fun next year. Cause he just got fucking roasted too by the judges. And he's like, I thought I did kind of okay. He's like, maybe it'll be fun <laughs> next year. I'm like, yeah, these competitions are so tough. Cause I'm like, I know they're never going to pass me to any other round. Cause I'm coming from red deer. They're like, mm, this guy, he can bring six people. We'll take their, their drinks and their food orders. And then we'll, <sighs> we'll it. put our locals in Edmonton and Calgary onto the next round, which I get, but I was just like, that felt like a good set. And then the judge was like, that was so unoriginal. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was uh, like, that was harsh. Was it a radio guy? Uh, no, it wasn't a radio guy. It was, um, I don't want to say his name, but I messaged him afterwards and I was like, Hey man, like you said this stuff, like what can I do better? Like it was literally like, I wanted to get some advice. I wasn't like really upset. And he's like, honestly, I think I was just maybe too mean. Like I scored you much higher than my comments would reflect. (laughs) And I was like, okay, okay. So I just felt like dog shit for the drive home because you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking bury this kid, but also maybe like fourth place. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing, though, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, no, actually, now that I'm looking back at what I scored you, like, no, yeah. I was, I came on way too hot. Yeah. And then just, like, one of the judges was barbecued. He was so high. Just, like, one of the things was, like, he's like, yeah, you were, like, up there and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, so I'm not going to take these to heart, but just to hear in a room full of people where they were just, like, flaming me. And even someone came up after because I was hanging out with the table people I brought. They were like that judge was really mean to you. I just had to tell you that. And I was like, thank you. That makes me feel validated. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those, those competition shows are so tough for me. Cause like, I want to go up there and have fun, but then I know the whole shtick is to, you know, push up our, our local guys who are great. Like they did great sets. I'm not saying anybody didn't deserve to get pushed on, but I was just like, I felt I did a lot better than they shit on me for. So, like, I like going to the, just the amateur nights where you get five to seven and everyone's just there to giggle. Yeah. Yeah. There was a competition in Calgary a few years ago. And, I, honestly, I was like, ah, oh, I don't know. I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go out there and have fun. Mm-hmm. And had just a hot set. Yeah. You know? To the point where the guy who put on the show was like, dude, like. It was here, and you took it up to here. Yeah. And I was like, all right, it's making it to the next round. No. 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 Why? I didn't sell any tickets. <laughs> uh, the one competition I did move on to the next round was the Calgary Yuck Yucks one. It was probably two years ago. Like, I had a really good set. And then the night I was driving down, because 
I did so well that the producer was like, would you like to do an opening set for Ron Jossel that night? And I was like, absolutely. So as I'm driving down, it's Calgary, blizzard hits. I get into a car accident. Oh, no. Getting into Calgary, I'm stuck in the ditch. So I have to call him like, hey, I'm going to miss this show, unfortunately, because I'm waiting for a tow truck to pull me out of the ditch. Oh, no. So I missed that. And then I went to the, the next round of it. And I did the same set that I did. And it just fell flat. And I was like, oh, I don't get it. And then again, the judges were like, that was terrible. That was horrendous. And one of the judges had seen me the time before. He's like, I've seen you kill before, man. Like, I don't understand what happened. I was like, me neither, man. You literally (laughs) just said you saw me kill with the same set. And we don't know what happened. And I was like, honestly, it was, I was an off night, but also it was mid COVID and everyone's sitting six feet apart and there's 27 people in the room all wearing masks. Oh yeah. That's so a, it was that's just like a place for so fun. uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Did you do any zoom shows? I purposefully didn't do those because yeah. I was like, I don't think I'm that talented enough to make people laugh over a computer screen. And it's such an awkward medium to begin with that you really have to be good at making people laugh for that to be useful. I don't, I don't even know why you would do it. It's <laughs> like, it made more sense to me to do those backyard shows where everybody could have the space. Yeah. Cause like I did stand up at my company barbecue in the middle of COVID and they just had everybody in lawn chairs in the CEO of the company's backyard. And I just spent 10 minutes roasting the company. Yeah. And it, it everyone had great, a, everyone it? had a great time. Of course. Yeah. That's that's what people want, man. Yeah. People want to get roasted. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I even roasted the CEO at his house, at his barbecue. (laughs) I was like, hey, if you see him coming around with his shark eyes lurk and he's just trying to refill your drink, he's not trying to pink slip you. And he's just like, (laughs) 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 you still work for that company? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So life's going well. Everything's good. Yeah. I mean, it's so tough to find something to complain about these days. Like even just like work is not terrible. I think I've just changed my mindset for anything. Cause it's like comedy. I really found that my set started going better when I just started going up there going, I'm just going to go have fun. I'm not going to expect anything out of it. Like I would do the, the Radisson shows and normally I would just eat dicks at those and just not do well. But the two that I did there, they all went great. And I was like, yeah, this is what it's about is getting people to giggle at you and not feeling like shit afterwards. And it's, it's really tough just doing a couple shows a month. Cause if you bombed, you just had to wait six weeks until you got another show to hopefully not bomb. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. I might see you out there and have no idea who you are. 